Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. I don't know the first thing about investing my money, and it is all so overwhelming, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I love that Acorns makes it so easy and how you don't need a lot of money to get started. So head to acorns.com creepers or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Paid non-client endorsement may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com creepers. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC, Acorns, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. This week's sponsor is absolutely perfect for true crime fans, especially those of us that love a twisty, turny murder mystery. June's Journey is a game set in the Roaring Twenties. June's sister Claire and her husband Harry were found dead, and June is certain that they've been murdered. Now she must travel to New York, where her sister's estate was, to look after her niece and solve the mystery of Claire's death. You go along the journey with June, searching for hidden objects in different locations from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris, uncovering hidden clues to solve the mystery as you go. I'm already on chapter six and the mystery has gotten so good. I cannot wait to uncover more clues. I'm also loving how you get to customize your very own luxurious estate island. That's right. Let your imagination run wild as you decorate your island with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. My pool is literally insane. It has a waterfall. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free on iOS and Android. Okay, uh, before we get into things this week, I just want to say a little apology to our Same. listeners from West Virginia for the way that West Virginia was depicted in our episode last week. It has come to our attention that we were that we really weren't fair to the state in the last episode. And, you know, as as I say all the time on this podcast, we are not experts in anything. And that includes Appalachia. So I just wanted to add a little bit of information about West Virginia that I learned from talking to some of our listeners that live there. They say that they don't have an us versus them mentality. That was like a big thing in our last episode that we learned from the book that I used, which clearly wasn't a very reliable source when talking about the culture of this area. They say it's actually a really welcoming place. It's a gorgeous state. It's full of rivers and mountain ranges. And they're really trying to amp their tourism industry to help give the state back some of the things that were stolen from it from all those big companies that we talked about. So go to West Virginia. It's gorgeous. Yeah. If you do want to plan a trip to West Virginia, you should check it out, wvtourism.com. You can plan out your trip. Country roads can take you home, Mountain Mama. It's beautiful. I have visited there. I know that I also made some jokes and some comments, so I do want to say I'm sincerely sorry. And stay wild and wonderful, West Virginia. We love you. All right. I actually went to bed with those black little stars that are zit stickers, but I woke up one morning and didn't, I had like four of them on my face one day and me and Russell got into like an argument and, and then I later on, we were fine. I went and woke up, brushed my teeth, went downstairs and I was like, 
did you fight with me the whole time with this constellation on my face? And he was like, yes, it was very hard to keep a straight face because I have like black stars. (laughs) Great. That is amazing. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real life creeps from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Gap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. Yes, you are. And that's the reason we're here today. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we're gathered here today. I was never going to do this case. All right. I'm just going <laughs> to. Oh, I know what this is. I was never going to do this case. It's it's so big. It's And it's so well known. Like, everybody knows this case. <laughs> and... But then Mogab sends me a picture of her Hulu screen (laughs) with a picture of Jodi Arias front and center on the Hulu. And she says, who dis? (laughs) And I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Are you finally going to tell me who she is? Because that's what made me mad is I still don't have an answer to that text. That was like a year ago. (laughs) It's been months. It took that long to do this. (laughs) And yes, you will find out after tomorrow, because this is going to be a part one. No. Because, this, look, the case is too big. I was going to try to do it in one part. In fact, I Sabrina helped me with the research on this case. And I she was like, what do you want? And I was like, just the facts, Jack. Like, just give me the basic summary. All right. So she does all this research. I get it. I'm actually diving into it. But when I was going through the, I just forgot how good the details are. They're so good. So then I had to go back to the book. And I basically, I read the entire book, summarized the entire book. So uh, here we are. A book report? So this is part one of the murder of Travis Alexander. Who's that? Part two is available on our Patreon right now. You can get it at any level. And if you would like more from us, you can join our Patreon. You can get that second part of this episode. But you can also get like four bonus episodes-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and okay. at the $5 level and a shout out on the podcast. And then at the $7 level, you get mini creeps. I, I mistakenly said a couple times a week. We all know that's not true. <laughs> yeah, we all know. That. I wish I had time to do that a couple times a week. But you can get them two to three times a month. They're just shorter episodes. We just recorded one about the Florida man meme. So that'll be fun whenever that comes out in a couple couple weeks. And then at the $10 level, you can get all of that plus a discount on our merch. So go to patreon.com slash truecrimecreepers to sign up for that there. I got one more thing for you. Lay it on. Are you ready? Uh, New podcast. New podcast I want to bring to the peeps. New podcast. Called Truly Darkly Creeply. These girls are hilarious. They do a true crime podcast. So much fun. So check out their promo here. Hi, I'm Carrie Ipema. I'm Quinlan Paz. And we have a podcast called Truly Darkly Creeply. We think you're going to love it. We think you're really going to. If you don't love it, you'll like it a lot. If, and if you don't like it, you'll hate it. But what did you lose, really? What, an hour? You're doing dishes. Relax. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. But don't relax too much. You, those dishes do need to get they done. They do need to be done. If it's true, if it's dark, if it's creepy, we talk about it. It qualifies. We talk cults. We talk heists. We talk paranormal. Kidnappings. Aliens. 
ghosts. And murders. Serial killer. You know, the typical fare. More importantly, we have fun. If you want to have fun, come on down. If it's free. What it's are you very losing? casual. <laughs> Wear whatever you want. Show up whenever you want. Hey, no shirt, no shoes. Yes, podcast. So listen to Truly Darkly Creeply wherever you download podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine, but the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pro's proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. All right. Today, Mogab, I'm telling you about a murder. I can't wait. This first part is going to be all about Jody and Travis's relationship and the murder. And the second part will be the investigation into the murder. Oh, my gosh. I want all the details. Don't leave anything out. I did not leave anything out. All right. Travis Alexander was the third of eight children born to an impoverished couple in Riverside, California. Dang. Both parents used crystal meth regularly. And after his parents divorced, his father remained largely absent from his life and the child care fell on his mom. But her addiction meant Travis's childhood was filled with violence, poverty, and neglect. They lived in filth, like Travis would wake up to bugs crawling all over him, which gave him a phobia of roaches that he had even to adulthood. The kids were all food insecure, and their mom would beat them if they woke her up when she was coming down from meth. (sighs) Travis and his siblings witnessed domestic violence between his parents frequently. The cops would come, but no one seemed to notice the kids who needed help. What do you mean there's eight of them? How did no one notice? I know. Thankfully, Travis had a few bright spots in his life. There was his maternal great-grandfather, Vic, who taught him how to read and gave him emotional support and encouragement that he just hadn't gotten anywhere else. It was very powerful. There was also his paternal grandmother, Norma. And from the time he was six, he would pray for his grandma, Norma, to hear his cries and take him away for the weekend so he didn't have to stay at home. When Travis was eight, things had gotten so bad that he ran away. He went straight to his grandmother's and he told her that he would be living with her from now on. And so Norma and her husband Jim took him and his younger siblings in. Grandma Norma gave Travis and his siblings the first stable and loving home they'd ever known. And the kids called her Mum Mum. 
She was a Mormon and she shared her faith with her grandchildren and Travis really connected with Mormonism. I feel like in this case, like Mormonism really like saved him from Mm -hmm. maybe going down a darker path or like suffering from trauma later on. I'm sure you're trying to cling on to any positive influence at all. Exactly. And one thing Mormons believe is that your existence began as a spirit before you were born. And then you were given a physical body and that the whole point of life is to learn and grow and progress in knowledge and worthiness. So they believe that the trials of life are all temporary and that they represent a small part of their eternity. So learning this, Travis could look at the cruelty of his childhood as a lesson that gave him the opportunity to strengthen his spirit and his character and that he could control his own destiny and that he didn't have to have the life that his parents had had. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. If I'm going through that, I'm looking for that exact belief system, you know? Right. That Absolutely. like, that 100%. Mm-hmm. So when he was 10, he got baptized into the church and began to transform from this shy little boy to an outgoing and just really social young man. And by 16, he was fully active in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, is that what the Mormon church is? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. It's a latter day. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's going to be way too much Book of Mormon singing in this. I'm, I'm apologizing. I apologize in advance. I have some things queued up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I have not seen that. Uh, it's, I've seen it five times. I know. I know it's one of your faves. <laughs> I'm Not to flex. I saw the original um, Broadway cast on not Broadway. Not to flex. <laughs> I was going to ask you. Oh, do we? is he in public school? Is he in school? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Travis's mom died from an overdose shortly after he went to live with his grandma, but his father, Gary, recovered from his drug addiction and actually ended up coming back into his life. The kids all still lived with their grandma, but he was like present for some of it. Is Gary the father to all of these children? I don't know the answer to that. I'm not totally sure. Okay. I don't know a lot about the rest of his family besides Mm -hmm. really him. When Mormons reach the age of 19, it's like a rite of passage to go on a mission, which is a two-year volunteer assignment where the church sends you out to try and recruit new members. Mormons believe that it is essential to go out into the world and spread the word of God. They march two by two. They go door to door because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. (laughs) A two-year mission is our sacrifice. We are the army of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All right. Sorry, that's from the Book of Mormon, the musical, not the religious text. They're fighting for a cause, but they're really, really nice. (laughs) I will end this Zoom call. (laughs) Anyway, Travis was sent to Denver, Colorado for his mission, but he had to fly home from it when his father died in a car accident on his 20th birthday. After this loss, he didn't really seem to know what to do next with his life. He tried out college and many different lines of work, only to end up with three jobs and still being unable to make ends meet. He ended up couch surfing until Travis met a guy named Chris Hughes at a church function. He could tell that Chris was financially successful, and soon he found out why. He was one of the top executives with a company that sold legal insurance called Prepaid Legal Services, which is the MLM of legal insurance. (laughs) That's right, Bogab. We got Mormons. We got MLM. (laughs) Yeah, this is like... I'm surprised it took you so long to want to do this, guys. I just forgot all this stuff, you know? It's now called Legal Shield. They changed the name. 
It was prepaid legal services. And it is a multi-level marketing company, which we call MLMs. <laughs> They're your your 31s, your Mary Kays, your Herbalifes, your LuLaRoes, you know. Some of them are actual legit pyramid schemes. But even ones that technically aren't a pyramid scheme are incredibly predatory in nature. The business model at Prepaid Legal and all other MLMs depends on recruiting salespeople below you. New sales recruits pay a fee to join, and then they recruit other salespeople. Sales percentages are divided between you and the people in your upline, so the people that brought you into the organization. And then you make money off your downline, the people you bring in. I will probably end up doing at least a mini creep on MLMs because they're so harmful and they prey on people in desperate financial circumstances with promises that are too good to be true. And I'm just obsessed with them. But luckily, Travis was able to find success with PPL. He began making more money than he ever had in his entire life. And he even sold a policy to the man who played Barney, the purple dinosaur, (gasps) on TV. Who is that man? I don't know, but he bought prepaid legal insurance from uh from like have we ever seen barney not as barney i didn't assume it i didn't assume it was one man you know like i assume there's and and is the guy in the costume also doing the voice or is that a voiceover person i don't know but this is like what i found out when i found out there was more than one shamu i was devastated when i found out how they treated shamu i was devastated well yes this was before that (laughs) man barney i miss that guy I know. Travis started giving motivational speeches for PPL because of his extreme success, and this new career gave him the ability to buy a house. It would also lead, inadvertently, to his murder. What? In September 2006, Travis was at a conference for prepaid legal when he met a 26-year-old woman named Jody Arias. Jody. Jody had started working for PPL while she was working service industry jobs with the hopes of making photography a full-time profession. She'd uh. loved photography since the age of 10. That's what she wanted to do. A quick recap of Jody's early life. She grew up in Salinas, California, on the central California coast. She said until the age of seven, she had a pretty ideal childhood. But then her family started moving frequently. They landed in Wairika, California, which is literally spelled Y-Rika. And I want it to be pronounced Eureka. Eureka. Like Eureka. I had to look it up. It's Wairika. I don't like that. She said all of the moves are pretty tough on her. Her parents say that even from a young age, but especially during her teenage years, Jody was defiant and rebellious. And the older she got, the more unstable she seemed. Her emotions were extreme. If she was mad, she was enraged. If she was sad, she was threatening suicide. Her parents could see that her behavior was dysfunctional, but they didn't really understand the extent of it until later. And they decided that to control her misbehavior, Jody needed strict and sometimes physical punishment. <sighs> Jody said her dad would use a belt on her, but she would also hit her parents. But then they found out that Jody was not only using drugs, but at 14 years old, she was growing weed out of Tupperware dishes on the roof of their house. Jody Leanne. <laughs> What's her middle name? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Well, we're going with that. Her dad called the cops on Jody and her parents searched her room. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my mom also- called the cops on me once because I didn't answer her phone call. In college. Do you remember that? 
and call. Well, it, and it this is been why like, we have five hundred and sixty thousand reported missing children. <laughs> Every I was year. I was in class like it had not even been. <laughs> and she called the police. Yes, she was so worried about you. No, you know that's not it. She was trying to prove a point. She said, "I bet next time you'll answer my phone calls." Jesus. Well, anyway, <laughs> that should have been that. That's my. That's the moment I knew by Taylor Swift. <laughs> Isn't it? It's so funny when people do something that should be so embarrassing. Like, she should be so embarrassed by that. No, but instead, she's like... She's so emboldened by it. Yes. She Every embarrassing thing, she's, it further, like, emboldens her to do the next thing. She, it's just like she's wiling out on repeat, you know? After that incident, Jody's relationship with her parents was strained. Jody no longer trusted her parents, and she got really good at lying and hiding things from them. Her dad said she hadn't been honest with them since. She ended up dropping out of school in her junior year to move in with a boyfriend, she says, to escape the abuse. Jody Arias is really pretty. It just has to be said, get it out of the way. She fits the American beauty standard. Oh, let me She's see. She's pretty. Let me see. Look her up. She's half Mexican-American. She has naturally dark brown hair, but in her 20s, she went to like a platinum blonde. It really suited her, but her brown hair is gorgeous, too. Do you want me to just send you a picture? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. Oh, look at those dimples. Blech. She's pretty. All right. She's pretty. It led to a lot of male attention. And then when she would date people, she would like completely lose herself in the relationship. Her identity would get so entangled in whoever she was dating. In 2003, she started dating Daryl Brewer, who she'd met a few years earlier while working at the Ventana Inn and Spa. They moved into a house together in Palm Desert, California, agreeing to split the $5,600 mortgage. So like $2,800 each for their mortgage. Okay. That's over twice what I pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She really wanted to get married and have kids, but Daryl already had a kid from a previous relationship, and he didn't want to do all that over again. And he was pretty upfront with her about that. <laughs> I could just hear chat like, I'm not trying to do all that twice. <laughs> just, yeah, I don't, I'm not doing that again. So the relationship deteriorated, but they hadn't really broken up. And Jody signed on to work for prepaid legal, just throwing herself into the job and aspiring to become a top salesman. But I'm not understanding how they're doing that without being, like, law professionals. They're selling insurance. Oh, that's right. They're not, like, giving the legal advice. They're yeah, selling yeah. the insurance yeah, okay. for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. So in 2006, she goes to this conference for prepaid legal in Las Vegas, and that's where Travis Alexander met her. Sparks flew instantly, even though Jody had a boyfriend. She was still with Daryl at the time. And he invited her to attend the prepaid legal black and gold ball, which was a special event reserved for high level executives and their guests. Travis was asking her to be his guest. Jody hadn't really planned on going to a ball this conference. She didn't really have anything to wear, but she said she'd go if she could find a dress. A friend of Travis's had packed an extra dress for the trip and said that Jody could borrow it. And the experience at the ball made a big impression on Jody. And Travis continued to pursue her throughout the weekend conference. Finally, Jody told him that she had a boyfriend, 
a boyfriend who didn't want to get married or have kids with her, and she wasn't really sure where it was going, but still, he was her boyfriend. Meeting Travis caused Jody to reconsider her relationship with Daryl and definitely was a big part of it ending. Apparently, Jody and Daryl have different opinions on when exactly their relationship mm-hmm. ended. She thought it was really soon after this conference when Daryl realized that his ex-wife was moving to Monterey with his son and he started looking for jobs in Monterey. I think Daryl thinks the relationship ended like two years later. <laughs> Daryl, just be glad that it ended, it sounds like. I mean, I don't know what happens next, but... Yeah. Jody told him that she wanted to pursue the goal of having kids someday, and after that, she considered herself single. Five days after the convention, Jody met up with Travis at Chris Hughes' house. Remember, Chris Hughes is the guy that brought Travis into prepaid legal. He'd met him mm-hmm. at church. His wife, Sky, Chris's wife, Sky, is actually the one who had loaned Jody the dress to wear for the, for the ball. Okay. They lived about an hour and a half away from Palm Desert. So Jody drove out to see Travis, who was living in Mesa, Arizona, and they would like meet up at the Hughes' house. Over the next six months, they would meet up at their house like every couple of weeks. At first, Chris and Sky Hughes really liked Jody. She was really friendly. She's really charming. She's like soft-spoken. She seemed well-read and intelligent. And Travis was just enamored with her. Yeah, what's not to like? Yes. Chris and Sky were Travis's friends from church. So they basically like set up separate bedrooms for Travis and Jody. Mm Mm-hmm. But Travis would slip out of his room after everyone had gone to bed and, like, slip into Jody's room, you know? The first time she went up, he invited her to come to church with him, and she started becoming interested in the Mormon religion. Remember, Jody is the type that, like... She's a chameleon. Yes, exactly. She can be who you want for a weekend, you know? Yeah. (laughs) He gave her a copy of the Book of Mormon, and she, like, actually read it. The religious text, not the, not the musical, musical, like not the soundtrack, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which it sounds like is maybe as far as you've gone. Yeah. <laughs> Travis and Jody started a long distance relationship and they would talk on the phone at night for hours, like oh, every it's the night. the best. It's the best. They were in almost constant contact. They'd use email, texts, G-chat to stay in touch. Let me tell you, I was very good at long distance relationships i just like to say that uh-huh. but well would you also post flirty comments on their myspace pages because that's what they would do oh that's fun <laughs> oh myspace romances i mean we could get into that but <laughs> i just remember the like well we would say it russell and i would facetime we would like facetime you know at night every night like for a long time you really build a foundation of like yeah. And I remember the like texting during like the getting day. to know somebody. Oh yeah. I mean really well too. Cause I mean you have to like talk everything out. But I remember the texting like I mean during the work day. Like, I mean, it's it's hard to focus. We'd like be texting all day, all the time. Like we were in constant communication. You know? Oh, I'm so glad neither one of you was murdered. Yeah, I mean <laughs> <laughs> <Yet>. no comment. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jody was also, like, throwing herself into PPL, but she wasn't finding the kind of success that Travis was. She just wasn't the salesperson that he was, which honestly really surprised me, but she was never able to make a substantial income out of it. Travis encouraged her to pursue her photography professionally, and she even launched a business and a website. Travis was, like, super into these motivational speakers and authors, and he talked like them. He would say stuff like, 
The difference between a stumbling block and a stepping stone is the character of the individual walking the path. Oh. You know? And then then she'd post the quote on her MySpace page. Like, Travis <laughs> yeah. Alexander. You know? if, it was, <laughs> if it was today, that would be like the caption of the photos that she takes. For exactly. On Instagram. Like Instagram. Yes. A hundred percent. Those make me so mad when it's like a very deep caption about like overcoming life's challenges and they're like on a beat. Like it, it's a selfie of them in a cute outfit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Jody started talking like Travis did about stuff like limitless thinking and <laughs> the power of attraction. And she synergy. started synergy. I knew you were gonna say <laughs> synergy. That was in something we were just we just did. And I laughed I know, so, so hard awesome. when you were like synergy. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, Firefest. Oh, listen, I old think. fraternity men love to talk about synergy, and I listen to a lot of them talk, okay. <laughs> They do. What does it mean to them? You know, brotherhood, synergy. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. She started mimicking Travis's personality traits, something she did in relationships all the time. Mm-hmm. She went from somewhere kind of unsure where they were really going in life and not particularly religious to like a driven entrepreneur and a Mormon. It's like she was morphing herself into what she thought he wanted, like his ideal mate. Mm -hmm. She was still living with Daryl at this time. Uh, uh, (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Yeah. And this happens more often than not in these stories, (laughs) I feel like. And I just don't. There's not a scenario where I feel like I'm like cool with that. Like. Right. No. He's preparing to move to Monterey. And he said he noticed a lot of differences in Jody. Like, she wasn't as rational and logical as she'd been before. She told him she was giving up coffee and that there was to be no more cussing in the house. And that they were going to sleep in separate bedrooms so that she could save herself for her future husband. Mormonism comes with a lot of rules of behavior. And one of the biggies is premarital sex. It's a a big no-no. Travis was a devout Mormon. He really was. But this was one area he really struggled with. He had a reputation among the local Mormon singles as being a bit of a playboy. And he and Jody were definitely having sex. I didn't really go into this, but like he tried to get around the no sex rule by like, you know, doing it in other ways mm-hmm. and saying yeah. that that was. Where God can't Different. see, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So he's like devout with a with a lowercase d. <laughs> with a like, yeah. He confided into some friends about like the guilt and the shame he felt about it. Like he wanted to be a good Mormon, but he also wanted to have sex with Jody. You know, he wanted <laughs> yeah. to get his freak on, but yes. And Jody desperately wanted to get married. It was something she just really wanted out of life. Like, he could have easily married her, but he didn't think that she was the ideal, pure, good Mormon girl that he wanted in a wife because she was having sex with him, which, like, oh, double man. standards here. Oh, uh, let's... I could re- we could really unpack that if we had time, but we don't need this to be a three-parter. <laughs> <laughs> I got something to say about that. Yeah, yeah. Jody said she felt like she started to love him early on, and they basically had this like whirlwind romance. They'd meet up at motels halfway between his house and hers. They'd talk for hours and hours and hours. But towards the end of November, and this like started in October, 
Wait, this relationship started in October? Oh, September. Sorry. Oh, boy. This is, like, quick. And she was still with And she's still with Daryl. Yes. So September of 2006 is when they met. But towards the end of November, Travis started seeming distant. And Jody was worried that he was losing interest, so she decided now was the time she was going to convert to Mormonism. She asked Travis to be the one to baptize her, and he was so excited. Chris and Sky Hughes, you know, Travis's friends that had this house that they'd meet up at, they'd been really impressed with Jody when they first met her, but the more often that she came to their house to visit, the more strange things that they started to pick up on. They noticed that she was constantly all over him, like she'd follow him around from room to room constantly. They said it was beyond cutesy. Travis would literally be pushing her off of him because she was just always there. That's not cutesy to me, you know? No, that's what I'm saying. They, they said it was beyond just like the oh, like, cutesy beyond. I thought couple. they meant like beyond cute. Like, that's beyond cute. Like... No. You know, extra cute? No. Right. No, it wasn't extra cute. <laughs> it was beyond. It was... It was not cute at all. Yeah. If Travis left his phone lying around, Jody would go through it. Mm. If Travis stepped out of the room to take a call, Jody would stand like just out of sight, eavesdropping on the call. Chris said she would literally stand outside of the bathroom and wait for him. Ew. Uh, that's how you know it's young love. That's not happening like <laughs> a couple years. I mean, I don't think that should be happening ever. Well, at yeah. All. Uh, yes, correct. Jody would walk around with the Book of Mormon and like the religious text and like pretend to study it, but she'd be keeping an eye on Travis to make sure he saw her reading it the whole time, you know? Mm -hmm. Travis knew that Jody's feelings for him were stronger than his feelings were for her. And Jody was getting frustrated at his lack of commitment. She wanted him to ask her to move to Arizona. Like she was ready. She would just yeah. go. But he hadn't. She even just started showing up at the Hughes house by herself, unannounced, just to talk to them about Travis and get advice. That's like a little bit of a drive, yes. <laughs> it's like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It started to affect her work life, too. Like, she was working at a restaurant, and her coworker said that sometimes she'd pull into the parking lot but wouldn't come inside. She'd say that she'd just texted Travis and that she couldn't come in the restaurant until she'd heard back from him. She said she just needed to know where he is. Okay. Before she could come into work. Travis would come down about once a month to visit her in California, and she'd drive to Arizona every few weeks to see him. But their relationship was just so toxic on both sides. Like, both of them were just together, not a good combination. One time, there was a PPL conference in Arizona, and Travis had invited all these friends from out of state to stay at his house for it. And Jody heard about the conference and told him that she was coming. But he said there was no room at his house for her, so she said she'd stay with other friends. But of course, she showed up at his house and announced to everyone that she was his girlfriend, to which Travis said, she's not my girlfriend. We've just uh, been dating. Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Yeah. Like, been there. <laughs> yeah. Jody was aware that they weren't exclusive, but it wasn't until this trip to Mesa that he told her that he had been seeing other women. <gasps> what? So, oh, no. Yeah. So she started dating other men and used them to make Travis jealous, and it worked because they're toxic together. <laughs> Daryl, Jody's live-in ex-boyfriend. Yeah, they're hooking up, right? <laughs> no, they were sleeping in separate bedrooms and everything so she could save herself for her future husband. Yes. 
He ended up moving to Monterey in late December of 2006. Jody continued to live in the house, but soon it went into foreclosure because neither of them could continue the payments on the mortgage. Yeah, because it's $5,800. Yes. And Jody's a waitress and working for an MLM that she's not doing too great in. Like, she doesn't yeah. have $2,800 a month. That's like almost what I make a month. That's, that's Boco Bucks. <laughs> that's Boco Bucks. Meanwhile, it became more and more clear to everyone around Travis and Jody that their relationship was so, so toxic. Jody forwarded an email to Travis that she said was from some anonymous stalker. Oh, good. I love, I love when yeah. this happens. Yeah. It said, I watch your every move. Travis doesn't deserve you. He's too far away to protect you. Mm. Travis was with Sky Hughes when he got that email and Sky just burst out laughing and she told him, Jody wrote that. It's totally fake. But Travis was taking it seriously. He just kept saying that Jody wouldn't do something like that. Listen, they always do something like that. Yeah, and Sky knew. And it's like you can tell she's trying, like, you're too far away to protect her. She, yeah, she's trying, trying to get to you to get ask you, her to move. Or you come down there or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Jody started showing up at Travis's house in Mesa, Arizona, just unexpectedly. It's like a five to six hour drive to Mesa from Palm Desert where she lived. And on one of these trips in February of 2007, Travis agreed to be exclusive with Jody, and they officially became a couple. Oh, good. But by late March of 2007, Sky Hughes was getting really worried. She started to think that Jody's strange behavior and hyperfixation on Travis was dangerous. She and Chris talked to Travis about it. They told him that there was just something not right about her. Sky told him that she was afraid she'd find him cut up inside her refrigerator, but Travis oh. just laughed. Oh, no. I hope that's not what happens. They were having this conversation in their bedroom, and they thought that Jody was in bed. But she knocked on the door and asked Travis when he was going to sleep. And he told her that he would say goodnight before he went to bed, and she went downstairs so that he could continue his conversation with the Hughes. But pretty soon, like, they started talking again, and Sky just mouthed to Travis, She's out there. She was certain that Jody was listening to their conversation outside the door. Mm -hmm. Travis said, no way. And he like got up really quick and like jerked the door open. And Jody was just standing there at the door glaring at him. I mean, yeah, listen, I feel like I'm in my right mind. And if two people are talking to my boyfriend about me in the bedroom, like I'm standing outside the door, much less if it's like a toxic sitch. Uh -huh. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm totally eavesdropping on the conversation, right? <laughs> I mean, I would definitely be Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, like, she'd definitely outside the door. I'd be like, why is this a conversation that I'm not included in when <laughs> I'm, like, also in this house? Right, yeah. The Hughes said that she had a look on her face that gave them chills, that it was just full of rage. Mm. Sky said it was, like, pure evil and even thought about getting their kids and bringing them into the bedroom with them. Ooh. But I wonder if she's, like, thinking that no. in hindsight or if yeah. she thought that, like, at the time. They told Travis they never wanted her in their home again. And this decision really put a strain on Travis's relationship with the Hughes. Jody and Travis started doing a lot of traveling together. Travis decided he had a new goal in life, and that was to check off as many places as he could. He bought this book, the like 1001 Places to See Before You Die or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they started going on weekend trips to try to check off as many places as they could. 
And when they were together, just the two of them, they always acted like a couple. But like, and you'll see like vacation photos of them. He's got his arm around her. They're like canoodling. But at PPL events, he would be a lot more distant towards her. His friends in Mesa didn't even know anything about her. And it really made her jealous of anyone in Travis's life. Yeah. Like she either didn't want him speaking to any other woman or she intentionally would try to get close to anyone Travis was close to so she could keep tabs on him. And look, I'm not saying that anything that happens is his fault, but we cannot expect women to not be ups- – or people in general to not be upset when you act a certain way in a relationship in private versus in public. And I'm not talking about, like, PDA and stuff, but, you know, like – Well, when you, like, tell her you're my girlfriend, but then you're not, like – treating her like your girlfriend in front of your friends and in front of like the people that you work with. Right. And look, I get it. I'm coming off the all too well 10 minute short film or whatever. <laughs> so I get that like I he might have come to her birthday party. He dropped her hand at the table. I mean, I he just am like her hand at the table. I, and it caused a huge fight because he was around his friends. I'm just, you know, listen. As Russell said, Taylor Swift releases an album and I'm just begging to be heartbroken over here. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. In June 2007, they went to visit friends in Utah. And while Travis was taking a nap, Jody went through his phone and she read his text messages and she saw tons of messages to other girls talking about meeting up and making out. Wait, wait, like planning it or like they had already made out and he was like, thanks for the great make out. He would be like, she would be like, where do you want to meet? And he'd be like, anywhere there's a good spot to make out. (laughs) I don't know why that's so cringy to me. Like, I know. Make out. The fact that Travis wasn't as serious about the relationship as she was, was starting to get to him. He knew it was unfair to continue the relationship when he didn't see a future with her. 
And he turned 30 in 2007. And being an unmarried 30-year-old Mormon put him in the minority in his friend group. One of the core LDS teachings is to marry soon after returning from their missions. And so they usually get married in like their late teens and early 20s. By the time they're 30, they all have several kids and he was not there yet. But he wanted that. So he decided he needed to date with marriage in mind. Hmm. So on June 29th, 2007, about a month before his 30th birthday, he and Jody broke up. Sorry, what was the date? 2007? June 29th, 2007. Yeah. He seemed relieved. She was crushed. He moved on pretty quickly and in early July started dating a woman named Lisa Andrews. He really liked Lisa, but he couldn't seem to stay away from Jody. The day after their breakup, he called her and he continued to call her late at night and they would talk for hours and it made her think that there was a chance that they might get back together. So he called her as in like he was returning a bunch of her calls because she was blowing him up or he was like reinstigating. He's like reinstigating. And I'm not going to say that she wasn't also calling him a bunch right. either, but he would also call and just talk. They would talk for hours. Hmm. Two weeks after they broke up, Jody decided to move to Mesa. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. It's heating up. <laughs> Jody said Travis was really, yeah, she didn't move the entire time that they were dating. Mm-mm. But like two weeks after their breakup, she. Oh, because she's, she's going to show him what he's missing. Don't mm-hmm. you know? Jody said Travis was really encouraging about her decision to move and that he even loaned her money to make the move. But all of Travis's friends said, no way. He was arguing with her about the move all the time. He was not happy about it at all. Yeah. Mm-mm. One friend overheard him telling her that there was no point in her moving to Mesa. She had no friends out there. It didn't work out between them. And he didn't even want her that close to him. Who said that? Travis. His friends are saying they overheard Travis say that to her. His friend told him to watch his back. In late July, Jody made the move. She rented a room from someone she found through a Mormon housing website that was like a 10-minute drive from where Travis lived. So she's still Mormon. She's still Mormon. Mormons have these things called singles wards. Like Mormons really want Mormons to marry other Mormons. And so they do a lot of singles activities and things like that. Hey, I mean, this could be good. That's how Travis had met Lisa through his singles ward. But now Jody would be living in the boundaries of his single ward. Oh, no. So she had to agree to attend a different ward. Jody started working as a waitress and she continued selling for PPL and she continued pursuing her photography career, but she was really struggling financially. To help her, let's use air quotes there, Travis ended up paying her like 200 bucks a month to clean his house twice a week. Wait, 200 bucks once a month to clean, to clean his house twice, twice a week. A week. Okay, That's so like 25 times weeks. each time. 25 bucks each time. Mm. So it doesn't really sound like he's really helping her. Like, I'll give you 200 bucks a month to clean my house once a week. She'd do it for free, though. She's snooping around in there. You know she would. You know she would. She wanted to do that so, so bad. She didn't even care about the money. That's (laughs) not why she went. It seemed like they were getting along fine for a while, and he was, like, helping her get acclimated to living in Mesa. But then she started sneaking into his house late at night through the unlocked front door. Travis never She's already there twice a week. Yeah, but she wants to be there when he's sleeping, you know. She'd come into his bedroom. She'd just get naked, 
crawl <gasps> into his bed and wake him up with a kiss. Would they have sex? Are they having sex? Oh, yeah. They're having sex. Yeah, at this point, they're also just (laughs) full on having sex. Like, they're ignoring this, like, backdoor, like, God can't see (laughs) whole thing. And yeah, they're over that. They're over that. She she would do this, like, three to four times a week. My goodness. He'd text, but, but, okay, she also wouldn't just show up. Like, he would start texting her when his roommate had gone to bed. To yeah, tell her, I mean, like, it's time for you to come over. The blame buffet is open on both sides. You can get a plate and go down either row here. Absolutely. Like, Travis seemed to think that Jody was just fine having this, like, friends with benefits relationship. But Jody definitely thought that it would lead to something more. Mm-hmm. The relationship steadily grew more volatile. They would fight all the time. Jody would pick fights with him. They'd blow up at each other. And then they would have makeup sex, which got kinky. Oh. oh! There was skimpy lingerie, sex toys, candy. Candy? That sounds very sticky. (laughs) Very sticky. At one point, there was a recorded phone call where he said he wanted to tie her to a tree and, like, do things to her. He asked her to go on trips with him all the time. And all the while... Travis is still dating Lisa, not asking her to go on trips with him. Yeah. He was trying to build a more virtuous future with Lisa. Travis gave like some half-hearted attempts to end things with Jody, But when when he'd try, she would just cling even more. And I don't think he really wanted to, you know? Yeah, he wanted his cake and eat it too. 100%. He caught her reading his emails and he started sending himself emails with the subject lines like, Jody, you're caught and stay out of my emails. <laughs> In front of friends, he would call Jody a stalker and say she was obsessed with him. Meanwhile, he's continuing to like, hey, you up, you know, mm-hmm. her every night. Late in the fall of 2007, weird things started happening to Travis. He'd come home to find his things out of place or find his computer had been used, his personal journals were Is stolen. it that weird, though? I mean, that's my thing. It's like. Right. When you when you tell me these stories and we hear about them like in this timeline, maybe it makes it easier or ma- or harder to like believe this, but I'm like the second someone is all up in my grill like this, everything is pointing to them. Like I just Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I he knew. Yeah. Like and an engagement ring that he'd purchased for an ex-girlfriend was stolen. Oh. He finally started locking his front door, something that he didn't usually do. And one time he came home to find Jody inside the house, and she said she'd gotten in through the doggy door. Okay, well, one, that's impressive. Two, I know. stop bragging about how tiny you are, <laughs> yeah, Jody. Good for you. Good for you. You in the doggy Was it door. a doggy door for a Chihuahua or a Great Dane? Okay, <laughs> makes a difference. There's the question. <laughs> One night, Travis was over at Lisa's, and she had one of those alarms on the front door that, like, beeps when you open it, Mm -hmm. you know? And it beeped this night, and they looked, but they couldn't find anyone inside the house. I never want that on my door. Like, I don't – we had that at the Delta Gamma house, remember? And it would do the little – oh, man, I can hear it now. The little do-do-do, like the – Oh, uh uh-huh. If someone is coming in the back door, just – Shoot me. I, I can't I can't handle the anxiety. Like I don't want to know. I don't want that two minutes of, oh great, someone just walked in. I'm on the top floor. What are my options? Like, 
I don't need to know. Just come in and get it over with. <laughs> like, oh, no. That's two yeah. minutes of time to hide or shimmy out the window. You don't have a plan? Do you think I'm shimmying? I'm shimmying. I think if you hear that beep, 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 you're <laughs> shimmying the hell out wherever you can. That's so bad. I It's so bad that I would just give up. I think about that, you know, and people are like, a zombie apocalypse. Like, what would you do? I'm like, oh, I would give up. walk I would outside not wanna, yeah. in two mm-hmm. seconds. I would just walk out percent. in the middle of the street. I do not want to live in that world. Yeah. I'm walking Absolutely out to not. the middle of the main street with my arms mm-hmm. open. Like, let's go. Let's get it over yeah. with. Yeah. <sighs> Another night, he stayed over at Lisa's house and his tires were slashed on his BMW. This happened a couple of times, actually, and he ended up reporting it to the police. And then Lisa started getting getting threatening emails, calling her a shameful whore. And once when she was at Travis's house, her tires were slashed as well. Lisa told Travis that she thought Jody was responsible for all of it, all the slashed tires and the emails and all this stuff. But he just couldn't believe that she could be that dangerous. Why not? I think it's because of how she carries herself and how soft-spoken she is. Because if you watch her speak, like, she does have this very, like, submissive, like, soft-spoken. She's not, like, aggressive. She's not, like, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that he just couldn't see that person going and doing all of these, like, horrible things. I wonder what it's like to be called soft-spoken. I've never been called that. Never in my life I would, love would I to know ever be. What that's like. Never been called tiny, never been called soft-spoken. <laughs> Those are two things yeah. that don't define me. Finally, in the spring of 2008, Jody decided to move back to Wairika. Travis had been encouraging her to do that. Like, yeah, I think that's a good plan, Jody. And it just <laughs> seems like these are two people who need to be far away from each other. Because they they just bring out the absolute worst in each other. But they also can't stay away from each other. It's mm-hmm. just a really bad situation. You know, if they weren't having sex, they were either fighting or he was ignoring her. And their fights were just getting more and more vicious. Right. 2008 was also the year of the Great Recession. And Travis was really feeling the effects of it. His business had been declining as more people had less money to spend on anything extra. He decided he wasn't financially stable enough to start a family and decided to break up with Lisa. (laughs) But that wasn't the only reason that he broke up with her. There was another girl at the church singles ward that he was into named Marie Hall, who went by Mimi. Oh, no. (laughs) The emancipation of Mimi. Yeah. But for whatever reason, Travis and Jody stayed in communication. He'd call her to tell her about the new women in his life. Even what? like he even told her he thought Mimi was the one. <sighs> like he really thought they were friends. Dude. Dude. You cannot. Read the room. Yeah. Read the slash tires. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no. Mimi was not as interested in Travis as he was in her. That's usually and how it goes. The yeah. one, you know, playing the game. Yep. And he started really regretting breaking up with Lisa. It seems like the only woman not living rent-free in his head was Jody. Jody, yeah. Like, she's the only one he's not, like, thinking about and, like, wanting to be with. But he wants to use her for, like, a conversation here and there, you know? hmm He wants to really, like, 
strategize with her about the other women. Right. Like, let me get your advice as a woman on which woman I should marry. And none of them are you. That's not you. In the summer of 2008, there was a prepaid legal trip to Cancun, where the company was paying to send its top 400 leaders to Mexico. Both Travis and Chris Hughes were on the list. And originally, Travis was going to bring Jody on the trip, but he ended up deciding to ask Mimi, who agreed to come. But then she called him a couple weeks before the trip to tell him that she felt like they were better off as friends and he could take someone else on the trip if he wanted, but he said that she could still come with him. He seemed to take the news pretty well, and either way, it was too late to change the reservation. So (laughs) Yeah, I think that's more of what it was. Yeah, and Travis was frustrated. He was a month shy of turning 31, and he didn't feel like he had anything in his personal life to show for it. Travis, and this, these are the best years of our life. We Well, and it's absolutely wild to me that there were really this many options of Mormon men that these women weren't, like, snatching him up, you know? Yeah. But he wrote this big, long post on a blog that he'd been writing for a while at this point, and it was all about his future wife, whoever she may be. It talked about how he had started dating with marriage in mind after he turned 30, which just so happened to be right around when he broke up with Jody, mm-hmm. which obviously implies that Travis was never serious about his relationship with her. She was just someone to pass the nights with until he met the one. And this is after everything Jody has done to turn herself into his ideal woman. She'd right. converted to Mormonism, for goodness Yeah. Sake. But it was Lisa that was taking all the space up in Travis's head. He started moping around about her and told people that Lisa was the one that got away. Mm. On May 26th, 2008, Travis and Jody got into the worst argument they'd had since they met. Jody says the fight was because he became so enraged when he saw a comment that she posted on another man's photo on Facebook. Oh, Facebook, here we go. <laughs> right. But she was always making up lies like that, like, oh, he's jealous because another man wants me. Like, she was always mm-hmm. doing stuff like that, even before Travis. Travis told his friends that he'd caught Jody hacking into his Facebook account, so that might have instigated the fight. But others speculated that Jody was threatening to release this recorded phone sex call, the one with him tying her, like talking about tying her up to a tree and all of that. Yeah. Like if that got out, it would like completely destroy his reputation. Yeah. Either way, his texts to her were vicious and cutting. He called her a sociopath and evil. He said, quote, You are a sociopath. You only cry for yourself. You have never cared for me, and you have betrayed me worse than any example I could conjure. You are sick, and you have scammed me. I have never in my life been hurt so bad by someone. (sighs) Jody, that doesn't sound like he's pissed that you commented on some other man's Facebook photo. Yeah. In one of the last messages he ever sent to Jody, he said, I want you to know how I feel about you. I want you to understand how evil I think you are. You are the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, no. He told his best friend Taylor about what he'd said to Jody, and Taylor asked him if he was afraid she was going to hurt him. Travis said, no, she's crazy, but she's harmless. Two days later, Jody's grandfather reported his 25 caliber gun missing. 
The back door of his house, where Jody was also living at the time, had been kicked in. They also had a DVD player and some cash go missing, but nothing else. And a lot of valuables had been left behind, ones that would have been really easy to steal. But don't worry, Jody didn't have the gun because she had been at a Buddhist monastery with no cell service. So it could not have been her staging this robbery. I have a lot of questions. Oh, okay. So it was a staged robbery at where she was living. And one of the things taken was the gun. Okay. Right. But no, it was not a staged robbery. It was an actual robbery because she was she at was a, a Buddhist th- monastery with no cell service. Why is she there? She's Mormon. Because <laughs> she's staging a robbery in Huayrica. <laughs> Man. Jody then decided to rent a car and take a road trip to see a new guy she'd been dating long distance named Ryan Burns, who lived in Utah. He lived in Salt Lake City. On the way, she was going to take this big road trip. On the way, she was going to meet up with Daryl, her ex-boyfriend that she hadn't seen in the last year. Yeah, great plan. (laughs) Yeah. His sister had had a baby. She wanted to go see them. On June 2nd, 2008, she rented a white Ford Focus. She told the guy at the car rental place that the red car they tried to give her wouldn't work. She wanted something less flashy. So she got the white car. The night before she left, she and Travis had made several phone calls to each other between 1 and 4 a.m. She called him four times with the longest conversation lasting just a few minutes. And then he called her twice around three and they talked for an hour. (laughs) As she set off on her road trip, she stopped off in Lodi, which is where the Sons of Anarchy live. And she called Travis. She then drove to Santa Cruz and stayed with an old boyfriend, Matt McCartney. There are so many boyfriends in this road well, trip. because I think she's, like, the type of person that doesn't have friends. So she has boyfriends that she, like, has kept in touch with, but she she doesn't have friends. I wonder if I did a road trip and stayed and stopped at all my boyfriends, wh- where I would end up. Like, <laughs> like, how far across the continental U.S. would I make it? <laughs> you know? Well, and she's just, like, stopping off at once on the way, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The next day, she drove to Monterey and stopped by to see Daryl. She asked to borrow two gas cans from him. And when she got there, she asked about him, and he went and grabbed him from the garage. She told him that she needed them for a long trip that she was taking. And she loaded them into her car and then took off. She never did visit Daryl's sister and the baby that she had just had course she called travis several more times got a manicure went to walmart bought another gas can and a few other items and then she drove to la she called ryan and told him to expect her in utah around 11 a.m the next morning that night while she was just outside of la she stopped and filled up her car with gas and then filled up the two gas cans and then turned off her cell phone it would stay off for more than 24 hours When she switched it back on, it was June 5th, and she was just south of the Nevada border, still on her way to Utah. As soon as she switched her phone back on, she called Travis. It was like close to midnight, and he didn't answer. She left a voicemail for him, telling him that she'd driven 100 miles in the wrong direction. And it was like, oh, I'm such a dummy. I drove over 100 miles in the wrong direction, kind of a thing. She called Ryan to let him know that she'd taken the wrong freeway and gotten lost and that her phone had died and she couldn't find the charger. I mean, these are like MapQuest days, not like on your phone, right? 
This is 2008. Oh, okay. So. You maybe got a Garmin or a Tom Tom. And you'd think that for a road. Well, but she didn't tell the guy when she rented the car that she was going on this long road trip. He was pretty shocked at the mileage that she put on this car. <laughs> I was just thinking like going that. F- I, I've done that one time in my life and it was back in MapQuest days. I was driving. I'd only, I was driving back to Texas State from home. Mm-hmm. You know, you like either turn left or right once you exit I-10 and I went the wrong way. Yeah. For like 50 miles. I mean, if it's like night and you don't know, but she knew. Yeah. Yeah. She said she'd driven like over 100 miles in the wrong direction. She called Ryan to let him know that she'd taken the wrong freeway and gotten lost. And then her phone had died and she couldn't find the charger. So she'd pulled over and slept for way longer than she'd intended to. And once she'd woken up, she'd found the charger like under the passenger seat. When they spoke, she was still more than 12 hours away from Salt Lake City. She'd been 12 hours away when she'd called him the night before to tell him that she'd be there that morning. Now she's calling him that night, telling her she will be there in 12 hours. So that still doesn't make sense. Why? (laughs) (laughs) You know why. Because even 100 miles doesn't account for 12 hours. Oh, does it? <laughs> oh, well, she also, she also slept in her car. Okay. Yeah. With a dead cell phone. No, no one's doing that. That's what I thought. I'm like, I would be tearing that car apart before I'm sleeping. If yeah. my cell phone died and I'm lost, the first thing I'm doing is driving to a store that sells chargers and getting my charger. Yeah, if you had the foresight to have four gas cans, I don't think that you're just like, oh, my phone's dead. Well, there is talk that she maybe returned the third. There was only three gas cans, and she well, might have returned the third one back to Walmart. Sure. Well, you're getting it. You know, she's in a Ford Focus, so I think that's <laughs> going to get her pretty far. Uh, meanwhile, Travis's roommate, Enrique, got home on June 5th. This is like the same day that Jody oh. switched her phone back on. He noticed some weird things around the house. First was that the front door was locked, and Travis rarely locked the door. Travis's car was in the garage, but he wasn't home. The house was empty. There was a stand-up floor cleaner in the living room, and when Enrique didn't see Travis, he figured he was on his trip to Cancun. The morning of June 6th, Jody made it to Ryan's apartment in Salt Lake City. When she showed up, her hair had been dyed brown. Usually she kept it blonde, and there were scratches on her fingers that had been bandaged up. She told him that she'd been bartending and broke a glass. She and Ryan went to a sales appointment for prepaid legal with her following Ryan in her rental car, but she was pulled over on the way because her license plate was upside down. (laughs) She told Ryan that on her road trip, she'd seen a few kids on skateboards messing with her front license plate, and she figured they must have turned her back license plate upside down. Those crazy kids. Okay. You know that how they like to do that. They like to just go and unscrew your license plate oh, and then flip it and turn wait. it over and then re-screw it back on. They just love doing that. Wait. Did he do something with the license plate? Did who do something with the license plate? The he? dead body in her trunk? <laughs> I was thinking like she thought he I don't know. I'm ju- I'm way jumping all over the place. I don't know what happened. But I was thinking maybe she did something to him, put him in the trunk. And then he was trying to, like, signal, you know? Oh. He wasn't, like, dead yet. I think she flipped her license plate upside down so that she wouldn't get caught by road scanners. Is that a thing? 
Like I can read upside down. I don't think it'll flag you if it's upside down. That's why well, they pulled uh, her over for it being upside down. I guess I don't even know what a road scanner is. Like it scans your license plate. What does? Like a little camera on the Where? highways. They're like on the highways. Like at a toll bridge or just like no, there? No, they're just, just like, like everywhere. Oh, I didn't. Just like scanning you. Do you know how I know that? How do you know that? Because there used to be this show that I loved and it only lasted like six episodes. And I'm really bummed I about it. you was... like Veronica Mars. <laughs> well, also Veronica Mars. It was this reality show where I can't remember what it was called, but it was like people would sign up to basically like go on the run. And they had to stay in this one area, but it was it covered like four states. It was like the entire southeast of the United States, like Florida mm-hmm. up to Georgia, over to like Alabama or something. Mm-hmm. Like, anyways, they had to stay in that location, and they had to like go to the ATM at least so many times. And they had like I don't remember exactly the rules, but they had to do these things, trying to like be under the off the grid. Yeah, and then they had if they lasted like thirty days they would get, like, they would win a prize. They would get money or whatever. Okay, well, I can tell you why that show only lasted six episodes. <laughs> why? Because, because so they obviously good. don't want people to figure that out, how to do that. It seems like a terrible thing. We're going to teach you, or we're going to well, let what it taught me was that it's impossible. Like, you cannot go on the run unless you can live off the land. If you can live off the land, if you can literally live your life off the grid, nobody will ever find you. But if you without can't do leaving that, like a mess behind, like people think they can live on the land and they leave their trash everywhere. Or they like leave trash. No, you'd have or- to stay in the same. You'd have to just like stay there. You'd have to like build your life there. Yeah. Now you live here now in the middle of the wilderness. They would like look for like on the highways. These scanners would like scan the license plates and they would like have all these people's like cars in there and be flagging oh. for them. And that's how they would find a lot of them. Two girls were camping and they were doing really, really well. But then they had a craving for Taco Bell and they got a little cocky and they went to Taco Bell and they got caught. <laughs> How could you go that far? That's like the Pizza Hut for uh, affluenza. Yeah, exactly. Your exactly. fast food cravings will always get you, you Americans. Mm-hmm. So Jody made out with Ryan that night at his apartment, but <laughs> it just didn't, like, didn't go further than that. <laughs> The next day, Jody said she had to go back that night to get to work, and she left around 1 in the morning. It's a 12-hour drive if you're just driving straight through from Salt Lake City to Wairika. Meanwhile, Mimi Hall has been trying to reach Travis about this trip to Cancun, but he wasn't returning her calls or texts, and he didn't show up to church on Sunday. At first, she was really annoyed, like thinking he was mad at her for telling him that she didn't want a relationship. But as the days passed, she started getting really concerned. She asked some of his friends if they'd talked to Travis lately, and they all said that it had been a few days, but they figured he was on his trip to Cancun. But Mimi's like, that can't be. I'm supposed to go on that trip with him, and we're not supposed to leave until tomorrow. So on June 9th, 2008, Mimi called her friend Michelle to ask her if she'd heard from Travis, and she decided to meet up with her and Michelle's boyfriend, Dallin, at Travis's house to see if they could find him. Yeah. When they got to Travis's, they knocked, but no one answered. So Michelle called Travis's best friend, Taylor, who gave them the garage code. Michelle told Taylor that Travis's car was still in the garage. As soon as they stepped into the house, they smelled a weird odor. 
They moved farther into the house and they went upstairs where they ran into one of Travis's roommates, Zachary. So Travis has two roommates, Enrique and Zachary. They asked Zachary if he'd seen Travis and Zach told them that he was in Mexico. Mimi explained, he's not in Mexico. Oh, Lord. Zachary asked if they'd checked his room and they said no and Travis's door was locked. So Zachary went downstairs to get the key to the room. When they swung open the master bedroom's double doors, the smell hit them like a ton of bricks. How did they not smell that, roommates? Yeah, people have asked. Men, I mean, I know men are nose blind. You you get in any man's vehicle. Yeah. Men's cars smell bad. And I really just think it was, it, it seems like the smell was fairly contained until they opened the double <sighs> doors. Like when these people walked in, they could smell a weird odor, but it wasn't like an overwhelming stench that made them want to gag. It was just like, that smells weird. And so I think like they just got used to it. And also it hadn't really started. The smell hadn't really started until like the day before. We'll get more into it later, but. Oh, we don't have to. That's fine. <laughs> we we will. So Zachary and Dallin, they went into the room while the girl stayed in the hall. And Dallin saw like a dark red pool congealed mm. on the carpet. And this is when they really start to panic. Dallin steps back into the hall and he tells the girls not to come in. And by the time he turned around to go back, Zachary had walked towards the bathroom and just run straight out, back out of the room, past Dallin. And Dallin walks into the bathroom to see what Zachary had run from. And it was an absolute nightmare. Blood was sprayed literally everywhere. It covered the sink, the countertops, the walls. The glass shower door was open and crumpled in a heap on the shower floor was Travis's body. (sighs) And that's the end of part one. Nope. Mm Mm-mm. Nope. Part two is already up on our Patreon at all levels. Mogav hasn't heard it yet, but it's there for you guys. So head over there if you can't wait until I hate this. This is so rude. (laughs) Okay, like you're going to tell me the rest of this right now, right? (laughs) It's 10 o'clock on a Sunday, so we will be talking about it tomorrow. But do we have any... No, no, we don't. Nope, no, not giving you anything. (laughs) All right, are we saving our shout outs for for tomorrow? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm mad. I hope the rest of you aren't as mad at me as Mocav is, who has now refused to speak to me. (laughs) I'm icing you out for the next 24 hours. How do you expect me to go to bed now? And there was his body crumpled on a heap on the floor. Okay, good night. And good night. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, <laughs> you can go on our Patreon to listen to part two right now if you sign up at any No, level. I literally cannot. I cannot. Otherwise, part two will be our episode next week in our regular feed. And oh, follow us on all the social media. Also, give us a review on Apple. Well, yeah, what's Please. going on? We're stuck. <laughs> We're stuck. We're stuck. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be so helpful you could get on there and give us a five-star rating and a review we would so 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 appreciate it if you liked this episode someone's probably gonna give us four stars now because you made me wait i'm gonna i'm gonna rate you four stars that's what i'm gonna do follow us on all the social media things at creepers pod be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified as soon as the next episode drops where i'll tell mogab part two of this wild story okay but what happens though
<laughs> Come on. <laughs> tell me. Tell me what happened. So tell oh me. Oh my God. So many good stuff. There's, I can't wait to tell you. Oh, well, I can't you don't have you to. You don't have to. All right. Did you buy peeps and creeps? Bye, peeps and creeps. <laughs>